1: Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life, episode 105. I can't believe we're at episode 105, and we have a pretty cool episode today in that we are going to be playing a, the audio from a panel session that we did on effective communication project management for engineers at our Engineering Career Summit, which happened last year in Washington, D.C., And this year it'll be in New Orleans, actually, May 12th it starts. And we have uh, early bird tickets on sale right now at engineeringcareersummit.com. I know several of the podcast listeners have already signed up, which is awesome. But this is going to be a cool episode because we like to intertwine these episodes sometimes into the podcast because Chris and I love doing this, but it also gives you kind of an interactive feel, lets you understand what it's like to go to an event, not just our event, any event, and see the energy in the room see these successful engineers that were on this panel you're about to hear, and they were different sectors, different experience levels. Chris is actually facilitating the panel and he introduces each one of them, which you'll hear momentarily. Just kind of like dig into this because it's really, really a lot of good information. And the other thing I'd like to say is that it's kind of a cool day because today I'm actually giving a TEDx talk entitled why engineers are going to save the world and how you can help them. Really excited about the TEDx opportunity. I'm honored to be able to do it. And I kind of just want to give a shout out to all the listeners who have really supported everything that Chris and I have done here with the website, with the podcast. And I'm thrilled to do the TEDx talk. And I'll certainly put the video of the TEDx talk up on our website and mail it out to our email list as soon as I have that available to me. So with that, before we jump into this panel session, I would like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. If you're thinking about taking the FEP or SE exam, I recommend you check out PPI because they are the leader in engineering exam prep and they are offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at PPI to pass.com. Again, that's PPI the number two pass.com and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. And I'll also mention that PPI is an official sponsor of the Engineering Career Summit. In New Orleans that will happen in May. And again, that's EngineeringCareersummit.com. An amazing lineup of speakers. I mean, just brilliant keynote speakers from Will Schneer, CEO of Big Red Dog, Croft Edwards, a leadership consultant and expert, Jim Hance, Deborah Keller, a lot of people from the local community down there. It's gonna be an awesome event, we hope that we can see you down there. With that, let me jump right into the panel here. Let's just end off this first segment with a quote from one of my favorite coaches, Tony Robbins. To effectively communicate, we must realize that we are all different in the way we perceive the world and use this understanding as a guide to our communication with others. So, now you're going to hear the panel, and then I'll come back at the end for the Take Action today and kind of wrap it up for you and give you an actionable tip on communication. The Engineering Career Success Summit 2015. Session number nine, panel discussion on communications how to run a project team effectively, led by Christian Knutson.
0: Yeah, this panel is going to be on the uh, project project management communications and the title, which was collaborative and good project management standpoint. Uh, vantage point. We passed this around and we collaborated on the title. I can't remember who it was that came up with it. This might have been. I contributed to it. So, anyway, it's a, how to run a project team effectively and how to build unity of purpose for all team members and stakeholders, which is a pretty audacious title. We've <laughs> so got an hour to try to make that all come together for us. Um, and so, uh, just to kind of set the stage for us, um, a little word, few words here, some introductions. Uh, Communication is very important, especially in project management. For those of us, many of us, are involved in that business, and we know that. I mean, in this session, we're going to discuss techniques for how to effectively maintain and enhance project team unity, foster effective communications with project team members and stakeholders, and get some real-world examples of what works and what doesn't. Which I'm interested in hearing that piece of it. We'll be talking about what works, it'd be great to get some input on what doesn't work. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can plug into that. So I'm pleased to have with us uh, a number of uh, panel members. Those of you who were in the last <coughs> session are already already know uh, Ari. Off Shannon Carroll and Mark Boster, we do have some new panelists, though. First up will be uh, Mr. Mike Hannon, who brings nearly 25 years of experience as a consulting executive, IT project portfolio program manager, process engineer, and software architect. His background in project portfolio management started at NASA in the early 90s, supporting large complex initiatives such as the International Space Station and high performance computing and communications programs. He has managed and consulted on over $500 million worth of project portfolios, trained CIOs, and other senior executives in the federal, civilian, military, and commercial environments. Daniel Hayes, many of you probably already know Daniel. He's been with us uh, throughout the day. Daniel is a registered professional engineer with over 14 years of experience in both the consulting and construction sector. He has experience in the project management and development of construction plans, specifications, and cost estimates for the military, residential, commercial, land development projects, in numerous jurisdictions registered in Maryland, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. And then we also have with us Vikab Nagra, who is a global infrastructure consulting professional, is currently pursuing an MBA in strategy and finance from the MIT Sloan School of Management. Possesses diverse experience in scope and geography with keen interest and experience in management consulting, and is currently a project manager for Kimberly Hornet Associates, managing multiple roles and projects in the U.S. and India. So, uh, very esteemed, Panel here with us. A round of applause. Saying thank you. So much. And with that, because we want to maximize the time that we do have together here, I uh, am going to jump into the questions, uh, just like I did on the, on the for the folks that were here in the last one. It'll be the same kind of, uh, I guess, uh, rules of engagement. What I will do for those that are joining us is uh, I will I'll go through. I've got a couple questions to kind of get things going for all of you. Uh, if you, as, as questions are being asked and you're hearing the you're hearing the responses that come back, if you have a question, what I'll do this time is I'll make sure I'll try to try to make sure I call on a couple of you to get your questions into it. I'll try to save a little bit of space at the end of the at the end of the uh, time that we have allotted for this. If we missed any questions that you have, otherwise I'll come up with maybe another word association game. I don't know what it'll be, <laughs> but we'll do something at the end to make sure that we maximize the time together. Yeah, and with that, I wanna start with a really, this is an easy question to answer, but if you're asked, or maybe that's a simple one to answer. And uh, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Mike, since he's new, sure. new, to the, new, to the, new to the table here.
2: How is communication important in project management? So, um, I think communication in project management is a different challenge than communication everywhere else. And if I can use somebody in the audience as a, as a foil, I'll explain what I mean. I met Ryan earlier, so I'll pick on Ryan. So let's take the following communication scenario in, a pro, in, in project space. Uh, pretend I'm your PM and you're my task lead on something or other. So Ryan, how soon can you get this task done? What's the task? It's normally a 10-day task. Okay. Um, some people take a little longer, right, because it's this project, so it varies. Maybe the fastest I've ever seen it done is five days. So don't worry, it's something you can do. Just, I just need an estimate. Uh, I guess I should look into it a little bit, get back to you. Unfortunately, I need an answer now because, you know, the boss is asking for the schedule and I'm going like, to have to turn in the schedule. so. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll see 12 BC. 12 days? Well, I, I need it in 10. Uh, so 12 is no good. So 10, can you 10 do it something. in 10? What's the probability you'll succeed in 10? Ooh, you got me. What was it in 12? <laughs> 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 a live line here? <laughs> 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 <can> work for? <laughs> Point, these, these conversations happen all the time in project space, yeah. and we're not building unity here, are we? No. We're, 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 I mean, I need a reliable estimate so that I can do my project. You need reliability too, so that you can meet your commitment. So the point is, there should be a better way, and no matter how nicely we have this conversation, how much we smile at each other, and even, even if we're friends, um, and work together for years and like each other, this is not a, a good communication, agreed? Yeah. So how do you get around it in projects? One idea I would have—I think this answers the question. I want to make sure I don't go too off topic here. So how is communication important in project management? So in this particular scenario, setting up the environment to have a very different conversation is the way to have the right communication. So if you ever face any of you, if you ever faced with this sort of typical scenario, my suggestion would be to say, well. If we're talking about reliable projects, the best way to have reliable projects is to aggregate risk. How might we aggregate risk so that everybody's individual task commitments are no longer even relevant? We can all just look at project success as our, as our loan metric, start with that unity of purpose, and find a way to work toward that. So I think you'll find, you know, if I were to ask everyone in this room, you'd probably come up with 10 more examples of conversations like this that destroy unity of purpose, and no matter how nicely you have the conversation, the communication is not effective, because we're not really solving the, the engineering problem,
3: right? No, I agree with everything you said. I think it's, it, it is the most critical thing. A lack of communication or bad communication can just destroy a project the conversation you had, you might not see him for 10 days and he might go in a totally different direction and what he comes back with. <laughs> in 10 days, doing, so, <laughs> so, so setting the right expectations for the team, you know, having the clarity of purpose, the scope, the deliverable, everything, that
4: communication has to be absolutely clear. At, at the risk of sounding flippant, communication is by definition to communicate. When you're trying to communicate, it's really critical to get your point out and it's, it's a very simple concept, but when it comes to written communication, verbal communication that we use in the, in the technical fields and, and in many professional fields, we forget to actually get to our point. And, and I'm getting to my point now, my point is to get to the point. But we will often obfuscate the point with, with various explanations, historical facts, and, and other um, just non-issues there, really, you it's an old mantra of writing and as Mark, Mark yes, yeah, as Mark had mentioned, in the previous panel about toast, toastmasters, and got uh-huh. again here. Really, one of the points of effective communication is to state your point, state three, yeah. you know, reasons why, and then to restate your point. Really, always get to the
5: point. Stating your point helps and that's a key piece of it and then to, I guess to keep building on that it's it's listening. Uh, what is your role in, the, in this discussion? What's your role in the project? Uh, Quite often you may not be the one that is setting up responsible for setting up that environment so it's, it's important to hear and to feel empowered to be requesting these things of you. Each client is requesting from us a certain scope with a schedule and budget and that Type of uh, clarity of purpose. It's not always clear as we'd like, but that can come into the project team, and each of each of us can take ownership in those discussions. Of am I hearing that clearly from from whoever's communicating and assigning to me? Ideally, it's happening. Great um, that Mike is running your project, and he's a pro, so he's doing it naturally. Uh, So I I think understanding that there's ownership on both sides of the table. If your boss isn't bringing it or whoever is is up the chain of command, it's appropriate for you to request those things in a professional manner and uh, protect yourself uh, as well as being. And that also demonstrates an ownership of the project's success that you care about getting to the finish line in a good way rather than just, oh, my boss asked me for six widgets, so I'll give it to him. I don't care what happens after that.
6: So the, the first question was why is communication important or how is it important? how is yeah, it important? communication um, important? There, there are two resources that are probably the most important to you in business are time and money, right? So time, money, and then the third, I, I would say, would be your reputation in business. And without good communication, you're gonna spend more of your time doing things that aren't as efficient or aren't as effective you're gonna be spending more of your client's money or your company's money. And at the end of the day, if you're not producing a, a good product because of poor communication, then you as an individual, your reputation fails, your team's reputation fails, and we go to a bigger circle, your company's reputation fails. So that's, that's how I see it to be important. And the main thing that I think is important is kind of along the same lines of, Empowering all each of the team members to do their own to have their own tasks and have ownership and really working in a collaborative space. So whether a physical space as well, whether that's stand up meetings. I don't like meetings where it's a big long table in between me and you because then you don't feel as connected. So collaborating with each other and feeling connected I think is very important for project success and communication.
7: Communication is key. That is You cannot emphasize that enough. what you will find that you get later on in your careers is the engineering is easy. It's the communication and managing expectations that's the most complex part of your job on a daily basis. If you go down the project management path, you might be the corporate technical engineer and not have as much quote-unquote day-to-day project management to do these activities, but. I tell people who work with me that if you can ask and answer six questions each and every day, life is good, less stress, everybody's happy, and it's what information do you need from whom, and it's the by when, and then what information do you need to provide to whom, by the way? And it's always the by when part, because people will say, hey, I need that, infor- you know, I need that information from you. Uh, Mike said, I need it in 10 days, but if he didn't know it was in 10 days, he said, yeah, I can get that to you, and you're thinking, well, you got it a month, but he didn't say it was 10 days, then his expectation was 10 days. yours was 30, and now there's a cross point, now you're gonna get angry with each other. And so the communication drives everything. It is the, the engine that drives the whole project team, and when you have a project team of one, or if you've got a project team of 50 or 100, and when you're in multiple geographies, you know, I had a, so my industry, I'm in the building design and construction industry, and I had a project that was, Overseas, it was approximately five million square feet. And so it was 16 separate buildings being built at one time and I had five offices working on the project. And I had to make sure it all looked as though it came from one firm and it all looked the same. And so that level of communication is different than if it's a small project team. So it, and there's different styles of communication, which we can get into later on. or if you want to talk
0: to them now, but I think that's a good segue because the next question I'll actually put, it turns off my little cheat sheet here you were up because we're just gonna continue about how to roll. So let me ask let me ask the question and then you can continue on the rules, and then you'll play and we are getting ready to go. But uh, when when should you use different means of communication, that is written, verbal, by phone, or face to face, and does it vary by who you're communicating with? And I'll throw a little added little tidbit on there, not only who you're communicating with, but but when, it, when it deals with geography.
7: So, by a show of hands, how many people think that email is communication? <laughs> it's a type of communication. I will respectfully it disagree with everyone. No <laughs> <laughs> you qualify, I don't like it. So, I'll, I'll, email to me is a monologue. It's one person talking, writing it, and they send it out. And then someone will send a monologue back. I respond to that guess what, two monologues don't make a dialogue, okay? So email, it's a form of information sharing, but it is not communication and collaboration. So that's my personal pet peeve, nor is instant messaging. I've had young engineers literally right across the queue from one another just like sending each other notes. <laughs> pick them up by their ear, walk them like go around and talk, actually sit at the same thing, you know, and look at the same screen and collaborate with one another. You know, this is, so email is not communication, and there's different forms of communication for different things. If you're just trying to get information out, email can be a form, but true communication, to me, is collaborative discussions, and it needs to be, the best is person to person, in person, in person, one other collaborative, you know, next best you go to video conference WebExes. Next in line, you're getting down to the to maybe just a teleconference call WebEx where you can't see because um, what you will learn as part of communication is body language is incredibly important in communication and how people perceive the information they're hearing or expressing How they you can look at someone and read the, the you understand what I'm saying? If you're on a conference call and you're assigning a task to Ryan, you say, Ryan, you got that? I don't know if Ryan is playing on his screen like, yeah, I got it, or is he actually looking and engaging and saying, yep, I understand what I need to do. I've owned that task, I'm now ownership, and I can feel confident that's being done. So, Geography is a whole, that's a, when you're dealing with offices in Asia, outside the country, getting on that time barrier, you're ready, prepared to have I've had conference calls at eight or ten o'clock at night when I'm talking
0: with people overseas or oh uh, yeah, it's
8: I'll, fun. I'll, I'll pass that along. Yeah, it's fun times. I really have to ask um you were talking about texting and and IMA and all that stuff. I, I you yeah. know I'm in kind of in between them, about three age as well, but you know the younger engineers coming in. Are, that's fluent to them, and to us, it's not. And to our older peers, they don't even know what email is sometimes. So, my question is, and kind of hope the panel can address this as we move forward. But how are you trying to bridge that gap? I think that you know the the industry in, in society in general has a has a huge challenge ahead of them to deal with these new communication methods. That are very fluent. I mean, you know, Facebook a great example to me. You know, the of what what people are willing to share now, which when I was a kid, <laughs> you wouldn't share any of that stuff. If you can address that. A bit. Well, uh, I can
7: start a little bit. I mean, Daniel brought up a point earlier as well. Effective communication is different than communication. There's a lot of people who want to communicate a lot of history, background, and then their point is hidden. In amongst
4: the email. Uh, the journalism talk is called very And, great, and I, I use I use that language a lot when I'm when I'm reading people's writing RV reports that come to, I work for customs and border protection and I get a lot of reports and a lot of requests coming for projects that come in from the various land ports of entry around the country. And oftentimes I have to dig really deep to figure out what it is that they're looking for because I get history. And get everything else to see. The so clarity is so critical to every conversation, even email. And as you're right, email email is communication, but it's a very ineffective, very imprecise communication. You have to be crystal clear on what you're saying because you can't intuit tone, you can't intuit That's attitude, emotion. emotion in there. So you have to be very crystal clear to not imply an emotion that you don't mean to imply. Yeah,
7: they're very neutral.
4: And then you know how the person
7: person. is receiving what their mood is when they're reading it, you know. I've had people who read my emails totally the wrong way, just because of the mood they were in. The way that, where they put inflection points was not what
4: I was thinking when I wrote it, and then it's a call, why are you all upset? I'm I'm not upset, hold on, time let's step back. And that works two ways, it works both in what you write and what you read, because email is so precise, you have to give the sender the benefit of the doubt.
7: The other challenge, again, I might date myself, so before email, <laughs> right, before, you know, a lot of times when communication happened on, from a technical point of view, you draft a letter, you drafted a meeting note, it went through an administrative assistant or someone to help format right, make sure it might have gone through some more QC, and make sure that what's being put out there is what is meant. And a lot of people I work with, I try and have them and say, reread your email or whatever the correspondence is, and imagine it's being read in front of a court of law, in front of 11 people that have no technical background whatsoever, and your intent is what you meant to say, is what you said, and it can only be interpreted one way. And sometimes you have to go back and rewrite. Again, that's communication, but in a very litigious industry, which we're in, when you're have your peers evaluating what you meant to say, versus what you wrote, it can be damaging I mean, you. Gotta, you gotta be very careful. Mm. And now with, with email, it's one of those things where people just wanna send it and get it off their plate but they don't really think about it. And email used to not be admissible in court. It is now. So. For some yes. and, Scott, you had a you
5: had a question before we move on with the. Uh, yeah, well, actually, it was kind of just a comment to add on to this. So, something that I learned from some of the military personnel that, that I work with at my company is they do. Uh, I can't remember the acronym they use, but it's uh, the most important line up front. Uh, so, bluff, bluff, bluff. So that's the first thing that they do in their email is, hey, this is what I want you to get out of it. Now, here's all the backstory and stuff like that. And I found that that's really helped my emails and stuff when I'm directing things to my teammates. So. To that point, because I come from a military background, and
0: funnily enough, I'm, I'm not sure that's a word, but, <laughs> but on, on Tuesday I sent three emails, because that was before I left the office, and each one of them started with bluff. Boom, point, four bullet points, hit send, done. And those were all going to senior senior leaders. What is yes. bluff, what's the acronym? Bottom, that? bottom line, up front. Basically, <laughs> Everything below is a
6: background.
0: Thank you. I, I
6: wrote it down to look
0: it up. Yeah, and in and in, and in my in my career I used to wear all this <laughs> on this on this point of trying to trying to get information apart. And maybe in the military I don't think it's it is no different than it is anywhere else because even if you read the wrong way and content gets misconstrued, it's no different because we're all humans. Believe it or not, we're all humans. And so one of the other formats that I found to be very, very useful, and especially trying to get complex information fed across to somebody who either A had no background, B wasn't technical, or C probably didn't really care, but you still needed to tell them anyway, was was a, it was a format that, that a former boss of mine shared with me, which was the IFA. Another you know, act right, we loved acronyms. So it was issue, fact, action. So it was kind of the same thing as the bluff, but it was like literally, in the subject line, it was IFA colon, nothing more than a six line title, and then below that it was issue, colon, one same line, fact, bullets, action. Either for information, or I need you to do this. And send, and that was it. And there wasn't any like, you know, dear, boss, I hope your day is wonderful, blah blah blah. <laughs> it was up front because he basically
8: told us, he says, Listen, I get so many emails,
0: I don't want I don't need to
7: fluff. Just give me the information, the facts that I need so that I can move on and do so, anyway, I'm a So And that's knowing your audience, you know, are you to a technical? Yep. Is it collaborative to a technical? Are you trying to explain something to a layman who doesn't understand the technical aspects of what you're trying to communicate? That's important. One of my former co workers is interesting I'll share. He actually was stationed, he was with Eisenhower in World War II. And this guy, I mean, just a phenomenal, guy worked until he was 88 in the engineering world. And he told me this story once I always remember, which was when he was with Eisenhower, he had um, sort of this aide who was not the most intelligent um, of staff members that you would think supported the general. And he always, he asked Eisenhower one day, what, why do you keep this guy around? Like he's a fumbling idiot. He just doesn't always do what you think he's going to do. And the answer to the response was well, when I give an order, if he can understand it, that means everybody else is going to feel pain. <laughs> 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 That's why That, that was his limit. <laughs>
0: so, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only Google came up with a translation like that for us. So, so, cool. so let's go ahead, I wanna, I wanna continue along um, so that we get, we get the, each of the panel members' uh, inputs on this one. So that the question, and this is gonna come to you, so uh, when, when, when should we use the different means of communication? So the written versus phone, face-to-face,
3: and, uh, and does, it, does it, you know, is it modulated based off of who you're communicating with and then geography? Yes, so uh, very contextual, depends on how clear the message is going to be. If you think it is going to be a dialogue, then obviously it has to be a face to face. If you think you have enough relationship, you you know, you can pick up the phone and call. And that is the next best, and then so it goes down the order. So, you know, texting to me is absolutely fine if you're running too late to a meeting and you say, hey, running late, you're driving, which you shouldn't be doing that way. Right? <laughs> uh, but, but it's perfectly fine to, to text in that situation. And and, you know, you're sitting in the passenger seat. Uh, yeah, yes, or yes, <laughs> you the car over and then you go. <laughs> But, but it's very contextual. It's also about you know, knowing the audience. How well do you know them? You know, and within the project team, have you guys been working for a long time? You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. So even a one-line sentence is good. So I'll share this with you guys. Uh, I was working on a project in India once, and I send a question to one of my uh, principals in the firm who was helping me. Ask him, should I do this or that? And he says, yes. And this is like 1 a.m. and I'm ready to sleep. (laughs) So although we have the relationship, everything, but it's still, it's very different when you're communicating across geographies. People are working in different time zones. Communication is not clear. So you have to, you have to think about, you know, which mode to use and how to use it. So uh, I'm
2: gonna blend in my my theme here a little bit from the last question Mm -hmm. on unity of purpose. And I want to ask folks, one of the largest, maybe the largest, certainly one of the most successful projects that's ever been, that's been run, certainly in the last 15 years, maybe in all of human history. Can you guess, number one, what the project was? And number two, what communication was used to make it so effective? What's the time? I'll 15 take a guess. 15. In the last 15 years. The Hubble Space Telescope? So that was was a servicing a- mission yeah. <laughs> in the last 15 years. It was a, that was launched in the late 80s. I like that one given my background at NASA, so you've got to be thinking. Um, I'll be a little bit more specific because it's a little tough to guess. Um, it was the largest uh, evacuation of land by water in human history. The last 15 years? It was in the last 15 years. post Katrina. No good guess though. So it was, it was the evacuation of Manhattan Island after 9-11. Uh-huh. And so can you guess the communication used to initiate, plan, and execute that project? Shortwave radio, short radio. It was CB radio. Different forms of radio by the Coast Guard. They just said, anyone with a watercraft <clears throat> that is willing to help, please come to Manhattan Island and help evacuate these people that need evacuations. And within 24 hours, they had evacuated 800,000. Actually, I think it was over a million people uh, with no injuries. The second largest in history uh, evacuation of land by water anyone want to guess what that was? Dunkirk. Dunkirk. This is bigger than Dunkirk. Wow. You can all look up Dunkirk if you're <laughs> curious about that one. But my point is you know, it wasn't face to face, it wasn't even two way. It wasn't, certainly wasn't email or text or. any any IMing or anything like that. But boy, was it appropriate for the audience. Boy, was it effective. And um, again, the planning phase of that project took about 30 minutes, right? All because the communication was effective and reached the people it needed to reach. Now, to tie back to Unity Purpose, that's why it was so successful. It could have been any form of communication, even poor communication, but it hits people in an emotional way that asked for help in a way that they felt unified. Right. So I think we, while that's an extreme example from history and our day-to-day lives aren't going to have the benefit of that emotional resonance, maybe, I think there's always, always challenge yourself to think, how can I unify my purpose with whoever is having this communication challenge? And maybe it's yourself, right? Because maybe, it, maybe it's not even a communication issue as much as we're not on the same page. Right. We haven't, we're not, we're, we're cross-purposes. When, we're, when yet we're on the same project team. So, you'd think there's always <coughs> something that unifies us if we're on the same team. So, the challenge is find it, and then the communication becomes easier.
6: Uh, I added to the question. So, The, when should you use it and and who? I think it also depends on what you're trying to communicate. So, we, some of you were in the business development panel earlier. If and when possible, you're your communicating with a client, always in person. As many physical touches that you can have, the face-to-face, that's the body language already talking about, it's significantly, exponentially more important and more valuable than a phone call or an email. After the in-person, I would say it's the video conference, then the phone, then the email, then the text. It also depends on what you're trying to communicate, though. So I have several different... Um, <coughs> Folks in my group, in the pre-construction group that are of different ages, and different people respond to different modes of communication. So this morning, for example, I'm getting ready to come down here and I'm making some notes, and I get this FaceTime request. And I'm like, really? FaceTime? (laughs) Alright, we'll do FaceTime. I'm really glad you picked up on FaceTime, because I I really need to see your face while I talk to you, because I need to know (laughs) if it's a good idea or not. Great. So much better. If you can't have me in person, let's do FaceTime. I hadn't even thought of it. Super idea. I have another uh, gentleman in my group, however. He's a texter. And the communication is very, did you do this? Can you do this? They're, they're digital, right? On, off. Um, if it's not a digital conversation, though, like Ari was saying, it's, if it needs to be a two-way conversation, you got to pick up the phone or, or do the in-person. So... That's my kind of ad is I think it depends on what you're communicating in what mode and, and you should feel out the other person's propensity to use different communication, text, FaceTime, uh, video chatting, wh- whatever it is, Skype. And is the information
7: good news or bad news? Mm-hmm. Oh that's yeah, excellent.
6: Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Send it by snail mill.
2: Yep. <laughs> <Facts. Facts.
0: Facts.
6: laughs> can can I have you guys Talk a little bit about organization um, and how you kind of deal with working on multiple projects at once as a project manager and, you know, if you have certain organizational um, methods of, of dealing with that. Like uh, paper and paper alphabet. That's possible. Yeah. That's one you should have on the list. So why don't we why don't we start at Ari because we didn't we didn't go through the last
7: month. So we'll start at your end and we'll pop I'll back talk this way. It. <laughs> it, 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 it's a, it's a great question because what I found in my career is your organizational structure changes as your company changes. So in my career, I started when when I started, I was with I was a. In a large firm, there was. But my office was 25 people, and we organized ourselves differently. When we, we bought ourselves back from the parent company, and then we grew, what I found is we changed when we got to about 50 people, when we got to 100 people. 150, 200 people, we changed again. Then we went up to 375, changed again. So um, your, your communication and management style changes based on sort of your company size, as well as geographic presence, you know, I, I had ID offices in the U.S., two in China, and one in India, so that changes again, so it's, I don't know, we only really have five minutes of time, and I don't know how to to, to capture that, but I, I will tell you that it does change, and I'll welcome someone else to talk about how, like, I mean, Michael Baker's
5: large, I mean, you guys have... I forget how many thousands. Oh,
2: 5,000. We're very, okay. good, not one of the beasts. Yeah, that's just a good market. I want to hear Mike's answer. Mike's a pro on He does <laughs> <fit. laughs> So, I want to make sure I understand the question yeah. before I go <laughs> into what I want to talk yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. Um, I heard you talk about how to balance multiple projects. Yes. Was that the, the, the thrust?
6: Yes. The oh, yes. challenge? Organization,
4: with like, like organization like of my personal
2: deliverables, you know? I have paper here from this project, there from that project, you know, do you have any sort of um, methods? So there's a couple things. Um, First off, there's some really interesting studies coming out more and more with the texting while driving um, problem showing just how bad we are at multitasking. Right. Like we're phenomenally bad. Right. And the people that think they're the best are actually the worst. It's really intriguing. And in fact, in the texting while driving studies, they found that the majority of those accidents don't occur while the texting is happening. It occurs within 10 seconds afterwards. Your mind is not on the road. You're thinking about what you just said. So it's not just because you're looking down. I mean, it is sometimes, but the majority of the time it's not. So then how do you translate this to project world? Well, in my, in my mind, two ways. One is personal and one's organizational. So the organizational one is, what I tell my clients is, until you can figure out how to stagger projects in a way that you can actually consume them all effectively, you're just multitasking everyone to death by design. So it's like you're creating rush hour. You're just putting more projects onto the highway and they're not going anywhere, right? Let's assume for a moment they don't understand that or they're not about to implement some big change for all projects and you're still stuck with this problem. What I've found is if I organize my calendar, because usually I can control most of my calendar, Mm -hmm. and say look, between nine and three, I'm doing project work, and if you give me four projects, then each one might get an hour and a half, and here are my time windows where I'm gonna stagger myself on these projects. And then at 3 to 5 p.m., that's when I answer emails, take calls, go to meetings, do all the other stuff that you're gonna expect of me. And um, I've had that challenge many times because this notion of I only talk to you between 3 and 5 p.m., the rest of my time is focus time, to knock through things one at a time, so I'm not doing this juggling act. Uh, You will get resistance from that if the culture you're in doesn't like it, but you'll be surprised how many other people will start following me. And uh, a lot of people told me, have challenged me and said, that's not you know realistic in our modern era. You know, all of our projects. You look at any project job description, any PM job description, what's the one word it'll say? All of them. Multitasking, right? <laughs> the ability to multitask. <laughs> but if you think of how simple a model it can be, like a school, a teacher teaches one lesson at a time through to completion, if an angry parent calls, they don't get through to the teacher. There's somebody else that takes that call. Teach, we'll get back to you at 3 p.m. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
2: and, and life goes on, right? We don't have chaos. I think in, too often in our professional worlds, we, we allow chaos, and we as PMs, are you talking from a PM point of view?
1: Yeah.
2: As, as PM, you're kind of right in that crunch in the middle. Right? right. You've got all the pressures coming at you from all sides. And so if you can't get control of it, you're toast.
5: Yeah.
2: I stagger? Are you, you, between
8: the line and colleges, that is it more compartmentalized? So one to two, I'm working on project A, two to three, project so, B, and so forth. So
2: what I was explaining on the, the time slotting was if your organization doesn't believe in staggering. Ideally they'll believe in staggering, so by design, you're only working on one thing at a time through a completion. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Does anyone <that laughs> work
4: in an organization like that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, <laughs> if, 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 <laughs> I, if I may though to, to, to give it a uh, your, your question saying, let's stay on this topic for a second, to give a, a visualization to what Mike is saying, uh, and multitasking and while all you need to find a you need to find a way to focus right. is realistically there's a there's a um, self-improvement time management guru out of New York named um Pomodoro method. Well, not quite Pomodoro, (laughs) and I'm forgetting his name. But really, he teaches that you can focus on one thing for for X number of hours or for whatever time frame you have. You can put 100% of your effort in. You Mm -hmm. have to break that into two. You have a 10% transition, so now you're only working 90%. You have to do that in three. Now you've only got 80% productivity broken out over three. So the more that you can structure your work to focus on one task at a time through, through um, last metrics to batching batching tasks even and as a manager, there's nothing wrong with telling your, your, your subordinates or the people that report to you to, to say hey from 8 to 10 every morning that's my focus time. I will respond to all of your questions at 10 between 10 and 11 but don't come knocking on my door at eight and then you start to, you start to work on your superiors and your clients. you start to get everybody used to that fact and they understand why then that focus time becomes really critical and really important. People will start respecting that focus time. Mm-hmm. But you have, it takes discipline on your part. You can't react to the urgent you have to react You have to work on the importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you
5: actually go as far as like, actually on your responder to your email, does it say, hey, I check in at 4 p.m., my email, you know, call me if it's something
4: urgent that, I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the worst because email is one of my means of existence. I don't have any sort of—it's probably against everybody, everybody's policy—but I don't have any sort of indication that email is coming to me. I have no alerts on. I turn all the alerts off by definition because I don't want—I don't want your emergencies to become my priorities. We've set my priorities ahead of time, and my priorities are important. and they can change. They can, there are some people who can change them, but. You have to be disciplined and do something. Develop that discernment. But do you let them know? I guess was my thing. Yes, you have to let them know. And really, the way to do it is to take don't don't put a responder on there, but put on your email, put um, on your email signature that you respond to all emails within X number of hours. That's and then do it, because if you don't do it, it's gone. Uh, it's it's the introvert in me, but I'll screen my calls even if I know who's calling. I know the questions because I have to be ready. I'll often screen my calls and call them back in ten minutes. Tim Ferriss has a thing, his, and before I work with it, the same wow. way, it's tell everyone you have to be internal as well, because my boss doesn't agree with the way I do that, and it's very hard when he's always, did you see that email? I'm like, no, my email's <laughs> off right now, I'm trying to do something. Yep. But it's, it's hard to get the whole, like you said, it's the office culture, you have to get everyone in, inside before you can even tell your clients, hey, I'm only calling you back. And it, it, ta- it takes patience, it, 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 if the culture is wrong, it can not all over the next but persistence will make you, uh, make you much more productive. Question, go ahead. Um, how do you deal with uh, a dynamic environment when it comes to that? Like, because, for
8: example, um, I was um, a project manager working on two different schools, and I'm on the field. So I'm always going to be doing the GC's office from one to the other. And I told my boss that I check email at the end of the day. I check email
4: at a certain time because I'm doing a whole bunch of other things with the workers. And can you standardize the time of your day? Can you get in an hour early? Can you can you take a lun- uh, an hour before lunch, an hour after lunch, and make that be standard time so people can, can expect you at that time? Well, that's the thing. When you're on the field, you're driving. There's so many other things
8: going on that you don't always have that fixed time. Of course, you try really hard to get the fixed time, right? but when there's demands of you going to one place versus another place, you're... You're usually out of the loop for a while, so I told my boss that I think it's best when I come in and my head is clear. That I go through all the emails, but she's always like, "I mean, did you see this email? And you have to respond to it and whatnot." So I know for those that are in the field, you have that type of issue. So that's what I want
3: to ask you guys. One thing that I would say about that,
6: and I'm sure I'm just for well, as well, that's a conversation with with your boss. So. In the, and same with the communication. Um, I travel a lot, for example, and a lot of times I do need to read an email and get back to somebody because I'm holding up a project. And so the, you make an agreement, and, and the agreement is, hopefully there's somebody in your office that can help you as a, an admin person, even if it's the receptionist. You know, if, if he needs that email, can you please call him and tell him that he needs to read it, or could you read it to him and get an answer? So that, that's a conversation with whomever, whether it's your boss or someone that works with you or for you, your client, that needs to happen. The other thing that I would add is we're talking about urgent and important and how that's not, you don't want to have that take on, take take you on. I'm very methodical, as some of you already heard. I chart my work. Is it important and is it necessary? Because what you'll find as a project manager is every day there's something that's a fire that you have to put out. Mm -hmm. But... Well, darn if certain things aren't necessary, and if you're not planning for those necessary things, they're never going to get done, and you're not meeting somebody else's expectation. So what I do is I put personal appointments on my calendar. I'll put uh, I'll put and, and someone in here works with me, so please don't tell anybody else the office I do this. I'll put fake meetings on my calendar, and I'll say breakfast meeting with um, such and such. And that's my time to focus on those necessary tasks. So don't really? don't be afraid to keep your, <laughs> um, your... Your time is the most valuable thing you have. Don't be afraid to do that, because if you can schedule it and not multitask, then you're going to be a more productive, happier employee, and you're going to be able to lead a more productive team.
4: So and, that's and the other thing I'd add about And if I can add one more thing to that Again, One of the things that I use, and this kind of got away from communication towards personal development, one of the things mm-hmm. that I use is I, I religiously schedule myself the night before religiously and set for myself the one and the three most important tasks this might go back to Tim Ferriss also mm-hmm. but I religiously decided what is the thing I'm going to get done the next morning first thing and then I do that before touching anything else and that's how you get to the important things and then let the urgent fires start to flow around you throughout the day yeah that's great points this is
2: you're right, we could, this is, we could be here till probably midnight tonight
7: and share our We'll a of wine. <laughs> yeah, we'll order out we We'll do Well, I think okay. the one thing you also asked about how you organize your space. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That there's, there's been some research and philosophy of um, how different people organize themselves. And you need to figure out how you personally organize yourself. Okay. Uh, there's one group of engineers that are stackers. Mm. Right? So every, you know, there's, stacks of paper, but you can say, hey, where's this thing, and say, you know, go three inches down, right here, there's going to find this piece of paper. You know, some people are filers, where they want to go, it's in lateral files, or it's in some form of email, so you have to figure out how you, yourself,
2: best finalize information. I mean, I have a way
4: that I do right now, it's probably like the stack way, but I just find that it's really inefficient, and it's, it's like time. You know So I think there was, I what to what find was, a better way. But if you put a
7: rule I remember it was if you put a ruler where you left off, and then when you come back when you come back to it your your, your time to regain where you were at that speed of time yeah. decreases by something like fifty yeah. percent. But I think that's an important part of it and then if you've uh, I don't know if you anybody's read like the one minute manager Remove my cheese. Know that um, yeah, they talked about engineers and, and and these monkeys that are on your back and people come in they big problems. Hey, I've got this problem. What am I gonna do? Rather than always solving the problem, you have to don't take that monkey, you say, I don't know. How are you going to solve it? Why don't you think about three different ways? And why don't you come back and present your pros and cons to you three different ways, and then we can talk about it. Do so that to your boss.
4: So.
5: Yeah,
4: it's, it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> All these ideas we're using here aren't applicable in every circumstance. Right. We're, you're, you're dealing with personality, but but there's a selection of ideas um, of right. Learn to you know. Learn to say no, learn to block your
3: time, things like that, and just, just experiment with those things. What works for you, what doesn't work for you. It's very important for everyone in your team to know your style of functioning. So it's, you know, you can pick whatever you want, but to make sure everyone around you understands how you like to work. Mm-hmm. And to your, what you were saying earlier, this is where for someone like him, it's best to pick up the phone and call him, you know, right. don't right. try to send him. 50 emails, and you know he's going to be on the site all day. And, and, and it's your job to communicate back to your office yeah. as well that, guys, I am, I'm in front of the computer all day. Let him have expectations for you. I will
4: do this all the time, every day. I will always have it by this time, and then never fail at that. Mm-hmm. Because as long as he can trust that you're going to do things within whatever time period you agree on, you'll be able to keep doing that. You, know, you, had, a, you had a question in your hand.
3: Yes. Go ahead, Well, as a project manager, obviously your success also depends on the performance of the team. So if your team is uh, performing really well, then you have success with your project. But we're all human beings and sometimes uh, the chips may be down in certain people's lives. So how do you keep uh, people motivated, how do you connect with their humanity and make sure that they still live up to the expectations despite what might be going on in their personal lives. So, is there
4: any like pick people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll start okay, hey, 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 hey. hey. Once again, if the risk of sounding flippant, just care, but don't carry it. Be there and say, hey, I understand you've got these problems, let's deal with this, but on the same token, this has to occur. You have to get the work done. Show some empathy, but don't take on their problem.
6: The thing that I would add, I just... Um, I, so I, and The way that I write blogs, by the way, is take all these notes and then go home and figure out what it is I want to say. So that's what I'm doing up here. If you were in Jonathan's talk this morning about emotional intelligence, uh, emotions are very, very contagious. Even when something is not going well for you at home or for somebody else at home, or maybe in the office, or maybe we have a disagreement, you can't carry that over to each meeting. To go even a step further than that, one thing that degrades teams quicker than anything else is not speaking highly of each other. You need to speak highly of your teammates, regardless, and sometimes it's acting, sometimes you know that that person's not doing their job because of X, Y, and Z. You have to keep that internal to your team, well to yourself, then your team, then there's a larger circle, which is the the company, right, but then there's the client. If the client finds out that you're speaking poorly of a team member because of whatever reason, right, wrong, or indifferent, you've already failed at at the customer service, the relationship part of that. So, speaking highly of each other, even during those trying times, is something that's very difficult to do, and people don't tell you to do it, but it's critical.
8: Being genuine plays right into that, though. I mean, that's the challenge, I think, that, you know, that I see with that, is, you know, we all have people we work with that we may not think the highest of, I mean, but, I feel that when we represent a client, you know, we have to be honest and genuine, but not very, you know, a person or a company because of it. So there's a it's a fine line to walk, and I, there's no simple answer, but I, I just feel that that's an important piece of the puzzle that needs to be mentioned, because if, you, if you're not genuine and you're saying, oh, he's doing great work, and then they find out he's not doing such great work, well, now you've just, you just lost your credibility. You
6: have to be honest, but... Don't speak
7: poorly about people. Right. The challenge I mean, the challenge is one of my biggest mistakes early in my career as a PM was assuming everybody was going to have the same worth, ethic as me. And what and you impose. I you know, I I I just feel you should have done this by now, or you were going to do this. And that got me in trouble because I sort of expected people to if they had an issue or task that they were gonna get it across across the finish line and get it done. And some people, that's not their motivation. You know, we were talking a little bit of this on the break, some people, this is just their job. They show up at seven or eight or six or whatever time they come in, they put in their eight hours and they walk out the door, whether the task is done or not. And then you have the people who are in it for a career, who have passion and who want it, and we're gonna go take the extra effort and you can start to learn who are your reliable team members or who have that ambition and drive, and then as the PM, you your job is to maximize what you get out of every team member. You may know that this I'm only going to get a C out of this person. This is my A player or B player or however you want to rate it. But you can't expect them unless you clearly explain that early on, and you have to get them to buy it that they are on board with that. You bring
4: up and also that there's a there's also a. Follow on to that, which is to, to focus on the strengths that, that people have. Okay. Focus on what they do well, put them in a position where what they do well is what they're doing, and don't force them to do what they do poorly or what they do better. Help them to get their what they do poorly up to a acceptable level. If they can't write, help them, put, get them in programs. And when I was with URS, we had a writing program, other companies do. Get them so that's acceptable. But really focus on what they do well. If I've got someone who can stormwater manage well and can't write, you get them in there doing their doing that to the best of your
0: ability. At this point, we've got. Um, Let's we'll take look at the clock. This one's going gone by even faster than the last one. So, I've got. I'm going to take one more question. I want to finish answering Ellie's oh, question yeah, first. Go ahead, we'll Mike's going to answer Can't question me, first. Give me my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> then we've got the question in the back because I never took your question. Has your question been answered yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so we're going we'll grab you in the back for your question, and then I have uh, I have one more almost a word association game, and that'll, that'll wrap things up for us in this session.
2: This will be a little briefer than my typical one. Okay. Um, by chance have you or anyone in the room participated in a, a relay race, either in like track or swimming or something? So was uh, your name, sir? Aaron. Aaron? C yeah. Got it. So um, so was there was there a manager on that relay team? No. The way relays work is everyone is accountable for themselves and you maximize the best of the strengths. So the four of you were mostly, if not entirely, self-managing, you're saying? Yes, pretty much. But okay. So what motivated you to all do your part in that relay race? Um, it was the focus, it was the goal. It was... So you shared a unity purpose? Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. Okay, what else did
2: you share? In fact, let me ask you a question. Did you have any shot at any medal? Yes, we did. Okay, how about money? No, we didn't. Fame? Uh, yes. Fame? Oh, uh, you're in high school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe some girls would notice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, so w- was there pain involved in running those races? Uh, yeah, you got to fight through your barriers. So you all were unified toward a common purpose that was uh, going to be a piece of aluminum, <laughs> right? Pretty much. A crappy piece of aluminum.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? So isn't it interesting that we as humans will volunteer to endure lots of pain, for no fame or money or maybe some girls, I don't you know, I don't know. <laughs> attention, favorable attention. But you know, all because it just was something that meant something to us. So I would say this motivation question, you know, like if there was a guy on the team that was pretty clear didn't wanna be there, how long would he last on the team? He, he would have wow. done show up for practice, he's not working hard, he's not even trying hard in the race. I mean, how long would that last, right? So I'd say, you know, find out about that first. If they don't really wanna be on the team, well, that's a whole other question. If they want to be there, set it up like a relay race, and I don't think you'll have too many motivational issues. So let's go with the question. Okay. Um, so my going to kind of back to earlier, um, a lot of you kind of mentioned your first choice for form of communication is usually in person or on the phone. So I guess I kind of want to say why I prefer email and kind of get your opinion on either how to integrate that, or. So one thing is, if my boss sends me an email with very clear instructions, then if I go back to that project a week later, I can go to that email. I can see everything; it's written out. I don't have to remember what he said to me. So that's one point. And then also, the second side is, if I have a client tell me something, and then later they're saying something else, I have clear documentation
6: that that was what they said. So kind of your opinion on? Yeah, I
5: totally agree. That was that was a piece where email I think is the best uh, when you're trying to ensure accountability and it can be with a client, it can be with your boss, it can be with uh, someone else in a chain of command where it's important. I, I do this with folks where if it's complex I can go have a conversation face to face and then I go back to my office say hey John thanks so much for spending the time with me. As I understood it here's what we decided and and then it's there, for the record, it's great for clients with scope change stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I I agree with you entirely that there's a appropriate place for email, uh, and one of those places where it's best is when you need accountability on the written record. Absolutely, but I think that's more documentation,
7: not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's not collaborative communication. Not trying to create and build something via email. You're just going on record, which is. It's a, that is an excellent tool because people forget. Again, yes, the phone is important, but whenever any design decision or direction is given, I always tell them you've got to put something in writing. Shows why. So a year from now, two years from now, you know, why did you do this? You have something on record to stand on and say, "I was director. We had a conversation, and this is what we were, I can't tell you how many times that's been my get-out-of-jail-free card. When a lawyer comes calling about a project, saying uh, this, this job is in litigation, uh, we're gonna bring your firm into the uh, into the claim and I go no, 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 here's why. And that gets you, that, that saves your
3: book, that's managing your risk as an organization, so. Speaker, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think I, I raised my hand when I said communicate email is a very important part of communication, and I think so I serve public sector clients a lot, so you there everything has to be documented. But again, I think the panel is trying to make a distinction between communication and documentation. So if you you know think about how your parents did it when they were or if they're still working,
6: but when there was no email. So documenting something for reference
3: purposes is very different from communicating. And then, as you said, that you know, go back and type it if you had a you know, we, have, we used to have phone memos too when you have a phone conversation, you write that down, what you wrote, you know, communicated, which now you do over the email, so- faxed it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, everything that we've all talked about, it's very contextual, it's not, nothing is literal here that, you know, you must start doing it that way. It's, there's a lot of personal preference here, there's a lot of, you know, how your team, how your organizational culture is, what kind of clients you're serving. You know, if you're working in public sector or private sector, a lot of things you can get away with in the private sector that you can not in the public sector and vice versa. So it's, it's very contextual. On, on that one, I, I, what's your name? Eileen.
4: Eileen, in some ways I would agree with you and counter to the, I think I ultimately agree with the panel, but in, in a sense. I like using email at times because at times I'm just, I don't know I always have the energy to deal with a conversation with others conversations take energy, and the email, if it's not critical, if it's just passing quick information or a quick note or a quick question, sometimes email does work, and that's just going to take your judgment.
6: The only thing that I would add that I, that I heard you say is sometimes I, I can't remember what my boss said, so like when he sends an email. One thing that I strongly recommend is that everyone in the room and, I, and you'll see most of the panel members. Everyone has has something in front of them. I have a notebook. I have a big uh, three- so notebook. you not yet these long. ones. Whenever you're talking to somebody, you're investing your time and theirs in that conversation. Whether you're on the phone and taking a we a, a telecon note, or it's a meeting, or even it's a, a seminar like this, I'd recommend, even if you want him to put it in writing for the agreement to be documented, which I think is a great idea. Be sure to be taking notes when he's directing you or she's directing you because that'll give you a way. First of all, it's easy to remember when you take notes. But secondly, that'll give you a way to go back if there is something that's off in that email and say, oh, but wait, I understood this from our conversation because I wrote this down. So that's the only thing I would add that I heard you say that kind of struck me is I would take notes and not rely on on email for, for that particular purpose.
2: So um, I, have, I have like one rule that I used to be really bad at that uh, has helped me a whole lot with email, and that is whenever any email goes back and forth more than twice, I stop emailing, <laughs> right? Even if it's like a reply all where you really feel like 10 other people need to know, if there's any back and forth like more than twice, the, the the permutations and and combinations of miscommunication are amplifying rapidly, right? And so just nip that in the bud, and even if you have to call 10 people or some otherwise engage them one by one, um, that serves me remarkably well. (laughs) (laughs) And take very carefully when you call (laughs) me. Yeah, Yeah, don't BCC. Yeah,
0: yes. yes. <laughs> Just forward and out. So at this point, uh, I've actually got a bird on that one. So, so at this point, uh, we're, we're a little bit over, but I think, I'm not really, I can't remember why we, but when factor in the extra
4: part? It's break.
0: So it is, long break, network yeah. break. Okay, so we asked this question. Do you want a network break, or do we want to do a block?
2: <laughs> <laughs> block.
0: Block. Do you guys want to do a block? If you want to put a up front? I think so. Okay, so we're going to do some bluff right now. So, but the question is, is bluff. What's what's one action or tactic that, that everybody that's sitting in here can, can do next week that's going to increase their effectiveness in communication with their project team?
4: Every time you go into a meeting, immediately after the meeting, write down one action from that meeting or one note from that meeting immediately. When you assign a task, make sure they understand
7: when it's due. You Why know, for the ramifications? What are the next steps? We need to start because it impacts four.
6: Sure. I would say gain agreement on communication style, if you're, especially if you're dealing with a large team. You're in the field and your boss is in the office. Have that conversation with each team member that you're working with to get an agreement on this is what I expect you to do, and this is how I expect to respond to you within so many hours, via text, via video chat, whatever it is, gain that agreement with your team, each team member that you're working with.
3: I don't know if it directly answers the question, but I would say make sure that there's an agenda to the meeting that you go to. If there's no agenda, it's probably not worth their time. So pick <laughs> your meetings. You don't have to go to every meeting that you're invited to.
5: I'd say a little bit different angle, although I agree with all this. Uh, ask your team how you're doing. Request feedback about yourself as well as a little bit of self reflection from those that you work with. Are we communicating well? What can we do better?
2: So I have two quick ones. So, one find unity of purpose in your project team. That will solve 18 other problems instantly. The other one is turn off the outlet pop ups.
5: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I like
0: that. All right. Well, thank you very much, panel members. So I hope all of you picked up a tactic or two from the, uh, in the techniques.
1: All right. So I hope you enjoyed the panel. Like I said, it was packed with information. Um, all these panels are, which is why we really try to make panels a, a big part of the engineering career summit. And now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And today, I will try to distill all the communication advice, project management advice into something simple that you can frame out when you're trying to have effective communication or effective conversations. But before I do that, let me offer a word from our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me, what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEP or SE exam. We get so many emails, LinkedIn messages, social media messages on this topic, and hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and both Chris and I recently had the chance to demo their review courses, and that's why we feel so confident in recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your engineering career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com. And use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. All right. I hope you enjoyed the panel here today. The one take action today piece of advice that I want to give you on communication is kind of going back to the quote in the beginning of the episode from Tony Robbins, is to think about the perspective of the other party in all of your communication efforts. It's so easy to go to someone and ask for something because you need it. you know, give me the project specs, give me the budget. I need this, I need a quote. But remember, everybody's busy and everybody has a lot going on. So when you communicate with people, make it easier for them. make it so that they can just give you a simple answer or make it so that, you're not wasting their time in any way and that you understand that they're busy. And if you do that, you'll get better results in your communication efforts. Frame out the email the right way. If you're asking someone for a piece of information, give them in bullet points, write in the email, all the different factors that they need to just make a quick decision and email you back. Other than them having to go look for something or email you back and ask you another question, try to communicate effective by being simple and understanding the other person's needs, their schedule, what's going on with them. That's what makes people truly effective communicators. So I hope you enjoyed the panel. I hope you'll come to New Orleans. We just had a meeting today. We're talking about the party that we're planning and other things going on. So it's going to be an exciting, exciting time. And I really look forward to getting to meet you there. We'd love to hear all of your feedback, comments, or questions on this specific episode and the content of the episode. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com, and you can either search for this episode in the search bar or go to episode 105 on the podcast page. Leave your comments in the section at the bottom of the post, or you can visit the Ask Us tab on our website at any time with any unrelated questions to this topic as well. We monitor all of our comments, and while we don't always get to directly email you back, we do put them into the funnel that goes into our podcast episode production. And we do do Q&A episodes, just like the last episode, 104, where we will answer questions. So until next time, please continue to engineer your own success.